Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's the PHNX Coyotes podcast, and it is Friday. We actually made it to Friday without the team moving, so a big shout-out to OGs if you got them. Now is the time. OG's Brands, the official sponsor of Flavoring Fridays, head on over to OG'sBrands.com to see their full lineup, including their two newest gummies, the OG's Naturals and the Big OG's, and find out where you can purchase. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever your podcast, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Petey. This is Craig. And as you can see, Nolia Merrill. Mm. Yeah, I know, buddy. On a Friday... Yeah. The flavoring Friday and Nolia Merrill to drive the bus, and there's a lot of serious top topics to get to. This is not a good sign. So Leah Merrill is day to day with an illness, and um, hope to have her back soon. So hopefully she's resting and, and getting much better at home. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly. Leah Leah's not feeling so well today, folks. Uh, so we hope she's probably still watching. Knowing Leah, she's probably watching it, taking yeah. notes, judging, um, and. Probably not. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. I, I feel far, but, you know, we'll we'll get there. We'll make it to the end. I, d- I do feel the pressure when Leah's watching. It's kind of like you know when you, you you've you got that substitute teacher. You feel like you can get away with things, but you know, like the real teacher is going to find out, and that's Leah. So I'm concerned. I and I'm even more concerned because we're going to talk about the arena. I, the, the funny thing is, 24 hours ago we weren't going to talk about the arena. It wasn't the topic today. We we matter of fact we were having a hard time deciding what to talk about. That is not the case. <laughs> Again, um, I, there's some good news. There's some interesting news. We're going to do some reflecting. It's kind of like it reminded me of, um, oh, of um, a Christmas Carol. It's, yeah, it's the ghost of Arena's past, present, and future. Those would have been a better emojis for you, to, me to use with my tweet. There's not great tweets for past, present, and future. Present no. was a present. Yeah. Pretty late, but ghost would have been good, Petey. Yeah, yeah, I, I thought of that, but but we're so far from the holidays. Craig, how was your Friday going? Uh, better than Leah's. Let me put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not so great. Went out to my, my, everyone knows I drive an electric car. Of course you do. I went overnight when I come home, I went out and oh, the car wasn't charged because I think the uh, charger blew my socket, special socket. So it couldn't charge. So I went to try and get it charged at an Electrify America station and all the stations, all the chargers were taken. Try to go back a second time. That didn't work either. So it's been a day. It's been a week. But you know what? It's Friday. We made it here. And like you said, the Coyotes are still here. So let's talk about the arena, PD. Because we let's get into it, Craig. Let's go. So so let me start it with this. We're gonna we're, we're gonna do past, present, and future. Okay. But we'll start in the past. Okay. And in the beginning, and Richard in the beginning. Burke brought the Coyotes to America West Arena, and Burke saw that it was good. Unfortunately, it was not good for very long, was it, Petey? No, it just it was not sustainable. And you know, it's it's funny because I think when they planned on building America West before with the great basketball team there that they that Derek Angelo brought to the valley, they thought there would never, ever, ever be hockey here. Why would there be hockey here? Should we build an arena that can handle hockey? No. I don't need you it. the urban myth on that, that Jerry actually asked Gary Bettman, should I? Yeah. yeah. I, I've never heard it from you. I, I believe I've never, right. I've never been able to verify that one way or the other that he was yeah. told that, no, we would never move. Oh, a team. No. Just like my columnist at the paper. I was working. No, the angels not coming here. We're coming to Arizona. <laughs> well, and so, uh, you know what, those early years, there really was no option to play at America West. Jerry Colangelo welcomed them in with open arms and the, it was fun. It was a great atmosphere. In 1996, 97, 99, it was great. Like yeah. a building, it, it was exciting. There was a fan base that followed the team. They were successful. They were in the playoffs every year. Um, they had big name stars. They were winning. It was a corporate atmosphere. It was a business atmosphere. It was an after work atmosphere. The place was packed. 
It was really, really, really good. It, it was a really good product in, in a really good situation. Unfortunately, there, there were financially, it just didn't work. Yeah. It didn't work when you're sharing a building and you're sharing, not sharing, not sharing the revenues. You don't have the parking, you don't have the signage, you don't have the, the ancillary revenues that you need to sustain a facility. And, and unfortunately, Burke and the Coyotes did not have that. Yeah. If you, if you feel like taking a day to read a story, um, you can go back and read my 25 year anniversary story on the Coyotes that I wrote when I was writing for Substack that one year. And, and Richard Burke said it himself, the original owner of, of the Coyotes, look, escalating payrolls, that's what changed the game. And, and it really has changed the game for the entire NHL. When you look around the league at teams that share an arena with the NBA, well, either the NHL owner owns the arena or he owns he owns both teams. So it's, yeah. they're not what I'm, what I'm trying to say. And I should have said it initially is there is not a tenant situation for an NHL team in somebody else's arena. The NHL doesn't want that because this league more than any other of the four major pro sports in North America is reliant on arena revenue for survival. So they couldn't get the revenue streams they needed. Richard Burke saw that they needed to move. We know they were trying to build at Los Arcos, the site of the old Los Arcos Mall in South Scottsdale. They were still in negotiations. Richard Burke didn't even think that that was over, but he had a business partner named Steve Elman. And Steve Elman got a sweetheart deal from the city of Glendale, gave him $180 million of a $230 million construction cost to come west and make Glendale relevant. Steve Elman really wasn't so concerned with the hockey team. He was interested with the development, which became Westgate, which, by the way, had much grander plans than it actually realized. Um, so they went west. Richard Burke said, if you want to do that, you need to buy me out because it's not going to work in Glendale financially. It will not work. And now we can talk about the butterfly effect 21 years later of that decision to move west in 2003, Petey. Yeah, you know, it's funny because that one let's call it, I, I would say selfish business real estate decision. It wasn't a hockey decision. It wasn't a sports decision. It wasn't a sports owner decision. It was 100% a real estate play, play by a guy that was a, interested in real estate, not sports. And it ruined the franchise to this day. Like, honestly, that's the move that, that set all of these things in motion because Richard Burke was right. This team needed to be in the East Valley. And when you talk about the, the Los Arcos location and people talk about Scottsdale, you know, talking about, you know, near Scottsdale, Phoenix. Now at that time, that's, that's North Tempe. I mean, that's not like we're, we're we're way south in, in Scottsdale. So this was closer to North Tempe. It's, as you know, it's Northwest Mesa. The location was phenomenal, phenomenal at the yeah. time. And it wasn't a huge, it was, it was a little bit of a real estate play. I'm not going to lie. There was some real estate in that surrounding area around that Scottsdale location. But for the team at the time, corporate sponsorship, season ticket holders, everything fit and worked there. And Richard Burke knew it and he was right. And unfortunately, Steve Elman hoodwinked him. I don't know if that's if that's a fair term. Yeah, um, you know, there was the intent that the team was going to stay there. I think Richard Burke really believed the team was going to stay there when he was preparing to sell. That Elman was going to build up the the area around the Scottsdale site, not move the team to Glendale. Yeah, and then we. Uh... <laughs> You know, it's funny that that period of time, like 2003, really, it was more like 2004 on to right when about Dave Tippett arrived was the area, area of time where I was less in, uh, less invested, less covering the Coyotes than I that was before or after because I became uh, the deputy sports editor at the East Valley Tribune and our second columnist. So my my job was to be a columnist when I was out writing and not overseeing helping oversee a staff. So I would, I, the Coyotes were on my beat and I would get out there occasionally, but I didn't pay as much attention. But that was, that was a crazy era, by the way. The Gretzky came through really. I mean, Wayne Gretzky is one of those guys who, you know, as much as we don't, don't like necessarily the job that he did as a coach, he was, he was one of the saviors of this franchise. I wonder where they'd be if he hadn't come on board in that period of time. That team is gone. Like, yeah. Literally gone. Elman and this team was moving to Portland, period. We were told as employees of the team, not making this up. This isn't secondhand news. I was there. It was me personally. I was looking for a house in Portland, period. 
that was we're you're moving and get ready mm-hmm. to move start looking should we start yes start looking start preparing this team is moving and steve elman flew to california visited wayne gretzky on the deadline day so we talked about deadlines that bettman is setting now for what this team can do and not do with the morello group the deadline was that day wayne gretzky came on board that night just prior to midnight and that is not a joke that's real and that saved the team wayne gretzky putting his name and his stamp and a, some financial support into this team saved hmm. the team from moving to portland and well, there's no other way to say it that wayne gretzky saved the franchise no people didn't like some of the outcomes on the ice when he was the coach but without wayne gretzky this team is not here in arizona it just isn't. It's gone. And, and this is another one of the, the, the second big moments. And, and I think the Richard Burke moving to the west of Glendale was one. That was one of the other benchmark moments for this franchise. Wayne Gretzky saves the day. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was Jim Ball Silly, Jerry Moyes. And I love saying this name. Like, in fact, if, if, if we have the nightmare scenario where, we, where I spend my summer in court because this thing ends up uh, in a legal battle, I'm going to look up Judge Redfield T. Baum and see what he's doing these days. He retired 11 years ago, but he oversaw that bankruptcy yeah. case where Jerry Moyes put the team into bankruptcy, wanted to sell it to Jim Balsilli, and they were going to move it to Hamilton, Ontario. So Hamilton, Ontario is the second city rumored to have taken the Coyotes. Uh, and and I, I don't know if you'd say it's close because the NHL obviously did not want that to happen and did not like the way that Balsilli inserted himself into the process, but that is, if you're putting them in order, Portland, Hamilton so far, and you know, I, I don't want to go through every every shred of detail and all this stuff. Obviously, the NHL took control of the team. You can argue that other than Richard Burke, the league was the best owner of this team so far in the string of ownership groups. Um, it is. It, it's funny that 2009 when the bankruptcy stuff. The, and again, I, I want to insert myself into this because you've heard a lot of um, media people discussing how these things affected things. I was on the inside of this and I was there the morning. I, I vividly remember when I got out of bed and it was the headlines. Jerry Moyes declares bankruptcy. Now, right up before that time, days before that, they were looking to sell to the Chicago White Hawks, White White Sox owner. Oh, shoot. I'm just going to forget his name now. Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf. That was, we had heard from the inside that that was the play, that, that Moyes was getting really ready to sell to Jerry Reinsdorf. There was plenty of money. Everything's going to be okay. And then the morning you get up and the team's in bankruptcy. And it was that that was the second time that I was fearful for my job. And it was uh, we hadn't been through this before. We didn't understand what that meant, you know, as a staff. What does this mean? The bank, like, they can't just not play this year. Like, it was, it was chaotic and fearful. And we talked about Belsilly and all his connections, you know, in the phone. We, we all had Blackberries. But surprisingly enough, the team phone in that era was Blackberries. And by the way, I loved my Blackberry at the time. I don't know how that's doing now. I don't think very good. But, but that was 2009. And that's the second time of fear that, that, that's when, oh my goodness, things are really, really bad here. Then the team takes over or excuse me, Lee takes over, and it was phenomenal. I, I tell you what, budgets were tight. We didn't have the things that you expect to have in an NHL locker room. We didn't have a lot of those things, but the NHL did this. They told Don Maloney, here's your budget. You run the team. And I, there was no other party involved in that team trying to become a, you know, a good hockey team. And the, the league just, you do it. There wasn't, yeah. there wasn't, oh, we have to buy, run it by the owner. The owner doesn't like this. He likes this player. He likes this agent. None of that happened. So it was the easiest time to be a Coyote employee is when you were, the, the, they were owned by the league. It was just, there was smoothness. There was no controversy. There was no stress. I mean, there were internal stresses trying to win, clearly, like competitive sports. But there were none of the problems that you see on the on the business side with, with management and ownership because the league just stayed away from it. Here's your money you can play with. Play with it. And so I, I think that was a really interesting time. And that's the time that Dave Tippett was there. And it was just interesting times. And you made do. You, you found a way. And that was, you know, we have those shirts that say Arizona versus everyone. That's what it felt like, that entire stretch. That was every Arizona versus everyone. And that was that was Dave Tippett's mantra. It's us against everybody. Take the outside noise and, and use it. And so that was another interesting time in this whole saga of the arenas. Yeah. And I, I mentioned to you that Dave Tippett was in studio for – an upcoming episode of The Focus, and we, we talked about that very thing. He and Don Maloney sat down at one point and said, you know, when when they were, the, the team was in process of selling, because obviously the NHL didn't want to be in ownership forever, and the Board of Governors didn't want that either, but this parade of potential owners coming through, Matthew Halsizer, um, 
Greg Jameson, uh, some of Matthew Holzheiser. Are you yeah. covering the team then? Yeah. We went to, Matthew Holzheiser inserted himself as a guy that was going to buy the team. And so he was around, like he was around a lot. And he had a, he had a Brzgalov jersey and he would, he'd hang out in the locker room. Like, buddy, you don't own the team yet. We went, the team was playing in Chicago and he lived and was based out of Chicago and he and his wife had a dinner for us at a very, very nice restaurant. And they brought an exclusive, we got a private room and it's the entire players and staff. And and he's up there speaking his pages of notes and speaking as here's what we're going to do in the new ownership. We're doing this. And we're like, we're looking at each other going, dude doesn't own the team. Like what the, what's happening? And then he hands the, 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 the microphone over to his wife. Boy, howdy, buddy. You want to know who's running that team? I'm, I'm pretty sure we, we saw who was going to be CEO and president of the whole size area. She ran the show, man, and she took off. And, and we're like, what is going on here? They don't own the team. It was just, it was the most bizarre time uh, that I've ever seen. Well, that's not true either. There's a lot more bizarre times. Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't even know how to choose uh, to parse between those. Uh, like to, to even rank those would be a really difficult task. But yeah, I remember some of those people. There were, there were other people. Somebody just mentioned. Darren Pastor, Kale, thank you. Uh, it, that was uh, that was a fascinating one. Like, and that, after I was talking to Darren Pastor a little bit, I literally had people from the league being like, mm, "Not sure this guy has what it takes." But I remember meeting Darren Pastor at the Glendale Airport. He had me meet me meet him at the airport. Literally met with him in the hangar, and he showed me his proposal. It was it was wild stuff. That was a crazy time. Of course, Ice Arizona. Finally secures it, takes over. George Gosby was the guy that they needed yeah. to make it happen. And he came in. And again, this is another group that saved the franchise. But even then, like the, the, right after that 2012 run to the conference finals, we have a lockout. We have a, a work stoppage. And yeah. it just built the momentum. Ice Arizona takes over. And it, like a couple of years in, it seems like they need another influx of cash. And the NHL needs to extricate itself from a potential lawsuit. <laughs> So they bring in Andy Barraway, and it, that was a weird time as well. Listen, I, I, I think the the Ice Arizona group in many ways, there were a bunch of fun guys, and I think they cared about hockey, Canadians, but I, I still think a lot of them were out for the investment as much as anything, and then eventually Andy Barraway buys them out, and... I again, I don't want to. I don't want to go through all of this. Uh, you, you have the you yeah. have the arena lease agreement with Glendale, where you think it's set. They're here for 15 years. They've got the agreement in place. Two years later, Glendale breaks the agreement, citing a conflict of interest that I really still would like to see play out in court because I don't think they had a case. But I think Gary Bettman had had enough of them. The Coyotes had had enough of them. That's when they said we're not going to stay in Glendale long term. Eventually, we're sold to Alex Morello. The same issues arise with Glendale, uh, still exist with Glendale. I know everybody thinks, well, Alex Morello blew the relationship with Glendale. That relationship was toxic for a very long time before Alex Morello arrived. It was coming. A breakup was coming. When you have your anchor tenant telling you again and again and again, yeah, we're not staying here long term. As the city, at some point, don't you have to say, yeah, we, we should probably start planning for the future. Like if you're in a marriage and the person you're married to is continually having affairs, shouldn't you at some point say, you know what? This He clearly has eyes for someone else or she has eyes for someone else. Maybe it's time for me to look to the future and plan for myself. That's part of what Glendale did. There's a whole lot more. There's, there's a toxicity on both sides of that relationship. But I knew that breakup was coming. I didn't expect it to land at Mullet Arena of all places, but here we are. Yeah, and I would just got to interject a few points here before we move from the the past to the present. I, I, I wanted to just sprinkle in some things here, and you've said it, and I just want to be extremely clear, and I want to get a fact out there, and I, and I, if people missed it and all of that, the Arizona Coyotes did not leave Glendale because of Alex Morello's failure to pay bills to Glendale, period, end of story. Absolutely falsehoods that that has anything to do with why they left Glendale. The end, period. Glendale wanted this team to sign a 15-year lease. The team did not want to sign a 15-year lease. The relationship ended. I and literally then, have – I. it is amazing how long that myth has persisted. Oh, my gosh. It's, you're still hearing it. You're hearing it right now. I know. Yeah, there's still people who think that's why they – oh, they got kicked out of Glendale because they weren't paying their bills. They didn't. We have Glendale City Manager Kevin Phillips on the record – Kevin Phelps on the record saying – 
Yeah, I made it clear to Pat Murphy, of course, one of the other executives, that we wanted the Coyotes to stay for a long. They wanted to sign. And you, you, it's it's varying lengths, right? That was a negotiation. Could it have been twelve years, fifteen years, twenty years, somewhere in that range? They wanted a long term lease. But if the Coyotes were not willing to sign that, then Glendale was going to move on. It was all about the Coyotes signing a long term lease. Had they agreed to that? Glendale would have taken him back in a yes. heartbeat. Kevin yes. Phelps is on the record saying that. So seriously, shut up. Nothing to do with the bills. Nothing. And, and honestly, the long-term lease is their fault because they broke the damn thing in the first place <laughs> through a technicality, through a lawyer's uh, uh, agreement. I still sorry for Julie Fasoni for being dragged. Yes. Is, it was absurd. It was absurd. absurd. Yeah. Like, conflict of interest. It was absolutely ludicrous how Glendale was able to break the original lease because the release should still be existing today, yeah. if not for Glendale breaking it. So I don't want to hear any Glendale crying and not the bills. The last thing I want to say is, but one of the interesting things about the inside look at, at in, Air, Ice Edge or Ice Arizona, Ice Arizona Holdings, who signed my checks for a while, it was the most convoluted massive owners that this this franchise has seen and that's saying a lot because you had so many guys first anthony leblanc as part of the ownership group doesn't invest well a, a minor minor amount to invest but he puts in work equity and becomes the team's ceo so he gets paid a salary that was more than the money that he put in brilliant he was anthony blanc was brilliant he made money out of this by just working so he came out way ahead. But then you had so many owners, like you said, Greg, this was for fun. This was literally for fun. There were some oil guys from Western Canada, knew nothing about this business, knew nothing about sports, put money in, and they had a blast. It was so abused that when they were on the team charters and on team buses and at arenas around the 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 on the on the road that they had to start putting a limit on one how many times each owner could go on the road two how many people they could bring with them because it was just a party you you'd lose a game uh, a tough game on the road and then the owner would get on the the team bus not the fun bus we call the fun bus the media bus he'd get on the team bus and he'd start singing hey turn on the radio let's start like buddy this team just lost the etiquette in the nhl is don't talk shh just be quiet and he starts singing and it was just like the, the other one that that ownership group that bothered me, and I won't call him out by name, rumored to be have money, an oil money, older guy, super, super nice guy. He wants to take you out for dinner. So the, if you go out to dinner with an owner of a team, which has happened again several times, the Bearways had dinners with us. They've all had dinners. And one thing that the owners are supposed to do when you take people out for dinner is you're supposed to pay for it. It's just kind of a thing. And and you just, it's not even like you don't, buddy, you, they pay for it. Like if, if, if a head coach takes out the trainers, head coach pays for it. When the owner takes out the coaches, he pays for it. I was with the, 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 this ownership group. That's how with little wherewithal and understanding they had of how this worked. We were picking up our own meals. And the worst part is they would take us to really fancy restaurants. And you're like, buddy, like if we're doing this on my salary, we're going to Subway. We're, we're not going to your restaurants. So the ice edge, the ice, ice edge, Arizona ended up being ice, Arizona. It was just an absolutely bizarre time to be involved went from the league owning it where no one was around to an absolute gong show of an ownership group thanks for saving us thanks yeah. for saving the team in the valley ice arizona appreciate it you are amazing and again they ran and they left with the situation much worse than they found it and they all made their money and they all went yes. happy. and that's that's a point that i want to make and even even andy barraway who still is my understanding is they still have not bought about that 5% ownership stake, but he was, he was a majority owner for a while. Um, I will never forget. And, and I don't, God rest his soul. I really like George Gosby. I, I really liked him. I loved talking to him. He was such a, a warm and engaging person, not a perfect human being. And I'm really sorry he's gone, but I will never forget the first comment when he called me after they had sold the team. The first thing he said is Craig, we crushed that investment. And I thought, yeah, that's your first comment after selling yeah. the team, not, not memories or I wish them well, or we crushed that investment. It and was, they did. It was about yep. money. Money. It was about money. Yep. And that was, that, we'll I, talk more about that as yeah. we get into the future of what we'd like to see about owners. And now here's the moment that Leah, Leah is at home in her sick bed. And this is the moment she's been waiting for. Because this is, as people know, when she's not here, I have to host and I have to do ad reads. So just prepping you, <laughs> I have yet to read the DraftKing uh, disclaimer. 
we always oh, need to wow. play one. So I have got it. Read for you today. So here it is. Oh boy, are you ready? So but Leah, dark in my buckle camera. up, Buttercup, because here we go. We know hockey games move fast, but the, with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice this week. New customers can bet five bucks and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. And right now, San Francisco is still minus two versus the Chiefs, and the Oilers tonight can they win two in a row? They're minus two seventy eight on the money line versus the Ducks, and I may I think they may lose two in a row. So. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code PHNX. New customers bet just $5 on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code PHNX. The crown is yours. And now it's time for the disclaimer. Gambling problem? Come to 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW York or text HOPE-NEW-YORK-477-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resorts in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Dixon Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsibility, gaming resources, NHL and NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. And now, if you need tickets to go to games, you know what you need to do? Tool is coming tonight. At Footprint. I know Craig cannot wait to see Tool. Luke Combs is coming to the State Fair, and Justin Timberlake is coming in May to Footprint. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code PHNX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHNX for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, back to the show. Leah, what do you think of that? Huh? Let me take over here for a minute, Petey, and let you rest your voice, okay? We're going to move to the present. We're going to start with the All-Star Game, uh, where we got comments from both NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and NHLPA Executive Director Marty Walsh, courtesy of Leah Merrill, who did yeoman's work in Toronto, um, worked, I don't know how many hours per day. I think, you know, enjoyed herself at night, too, when she was ordering you know, two cocktails at a time. Um, but we heard from Gary Bettman saying that he was reasonably confident in this ownership group, and he doesn't want to contract co- contradict ownership groups when they say they are confident they're going to get something done. We heard clearly what Marty Walsh had to say. And by the way, we have an upcoming episode of the audio podcast where we have Joe Smith from The Athletic, who also covers the Minnesota Wild, had a sit down with Marty Walsh. So that was that's an interesting conversation coming up, getting his thoughts on his conversation with Marty Walsh. Um, so we got all that out there. I think everybody knows by now what Gary Bettman said, and everybody knows that Marty Walsh has been lighting this franchise on fire because that's his job to back the players. And then we come to the present. We wonder about the timeline. We knew, we knew here at PHNX for a couple months, a few months, that the All-Star break was not the deadline. We were reporting it multiple times. The national media eventually caught on. The rest of the media eventually caught on, especially after the All-Star break passed and we still didn't have a deadline. That was a good clue that it was no longer the deadline and it was actually quarter one. But now we fast forward to the present. We know about the, the land acquisition hopes. The Arizona Republic ran a story with some details in it, looking at it, saying that they had officially applied. Javier Gutierrez had has uh, confirmed that. Um, we got a little more news recently that, you know, they were going to, there, were, there was there was a meeting obviously yesterday and people freaked out when it wasn't on the agenda. But as we were reminding people, sometimes these things can be done in secret. There's, there's executive session. Um, I, I've been around a few times in city councils where stuff is discussed in executive session that wasn't on the agenda. So knew it was possible. And in fact, that's what happened. They talked about a, a reduced plot of land, 100 acres instead of 200 acres in executive session. The Arizona land, State Land Department discussed it. As I reported last night, um, I, I was contacted by a government official and said the meeting went well, said it could wrap up in three months. We're talking about the land sale itself, not the entire deal, obviously. We're talking about the acquisition of the land. And emphasis on could, again, right? That's not a guarantee. And if you followed this story, you should be following every, or you should approach it with a healthy amount of skepticism. But now I wonder, Petey, like like I was on Jeff Merrick's show today and he asked me, so what do you think is the next shoe to drop? What's the next big piece of news coming? Well, I think everybody would agree 
what's Gary Bettman going to say after the Super Bowl? I really wonder what the tenor of that announcement is going to be or statement. Are they going to give Alex Morello more leash with the information that they have from the ground here? Has the Board of Governors reached a point where when they look at this deal, even if they get the land, they say, well, what's the timeline? What does that mean? Like I I, I was told like you're, you're talking about three more years at Mullet Arena, right? So is that even acceptable at that this point? And can you say definitively it's only going to be three years? Well, no, you can't because there's so many variables out there with the development of this land and the construction. And I think AZ Sports guys in the chat, or at least he was earlier. So you have to search to see if there are any special breeds of uh, toads or frogs in the desert. You got to do all this research. You got to do soil samples before you can decide whether you can go ahead. You got to get entitlements. You got to get zoning. There's so much work to be done. I don't know what the timeline is. Is three years realistic? Honestly, I don't know. I can't say. I'm I'm not an expert. And, and how the hell can we predict all these variables? But that's where we are right now. And I wonder what the league is going to say after the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, so there's a couple things and just wanted to run some questions by you for clarification, Craig. And we talk about the sale of the land itself. And I know that there was some national media saying attention that there's no way that this can happen within three months if it does not reach to an auction today, meaning today on February 9th, that that cannot happen within three months. Thoughts? Uh, I, I would say that's what the letter of the law says. Yes, there, there, there's language. There's There are processes that you have to go through, but... Well, any anybody who says that probably doesn't live in Arizona or is a little naive or expecting things to uh, to proceed at, at according to the letter of the law. That's not often what happens here. Um, Arizona politics is is what it is. And, and I'm not saying that like it's it's well, I am saying it's probably shadier than some other states. It definitely is. There's there's some things that happen here that just make you scratch your head. But yes. I, I do believe there's a way to fast track this without question. I believe there's a way. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to it, it's going to uh, prevent them from being opening o- opened up to scrutiny by certain groups. I, I'm not I'm not claiming any of that. But do I believe that this could be fast tracked? Yeah, I think that's a possibility here. And to say that it's not possible because of the rules in place. Wake up, wake up. You're just naive if you actually believe that that's the case. You haven't been paying attention to Arizona politics. You don't live here. You, you don't understand how things work here. Another question, Craig, and this comes from uh, the chat, Frank Walk- Walker. Is there a scheduling thing for an announcement after the Super Bowl? Why does he keep mentioning that date? No, there's there's nothing scheduled, but I, I think you'll see. I, I'm, I'm one of the reporters who've reported it. Multiple people have. Frank Saravalli has reported it. There are a couple other people that have reported that something is coming from the league after the Super Bowl. We'll, again, I don't know the nature of what's coming, that, that announcement, but enough people are reporting that I think something is coming unless the NHL decides because there's all this media attention on it. Maybe, maybe they'll just wait a few weeks. I have no idea. So, but I, I do think something's coming from the league because you know, you, you've, you've heard all these national reporters like Elliot Friedman, Frank, I, I could rattle off a bunch of people saying the board of governors is fed up with this situation. I think that's an accurate read. I do not think that's an overstatement in any way. The board of governors are fed up with this situation. Is it in some ways, I don't know, unfair to the Morello group because they're just the latest in a long chain of disappointments with this franchise. Maybe they've had their own chances as well, however, with walking away from a deal with ASU and then the failed Tempe vote. So they've had a couple opportunities as well. Um, I understand why the Board of Governors might be frustrated. You certainly understand why the NHLPA might be frustrated at this point. One of the other things, Craig, you, you referred to the timelines of how long it takes to build a facility and the surrounding infrastructure. And, and I don't I'm not arguing with you. I'm just bringing up some some questions. This land doesn't need to be remediated. We talked about the dump and all of the efforts that this land needed to go through in Tempe to become even able to build on. That's not the case with this land. This And someone mentioned it is just raw desert. So I think that that helps that process. Now, I know you talk about soil samples and all of the things that need to go for a sale of that from the state. I understand that. But when when you look at Glendale Arena, Glendale Arena at the time was one of the fastest buildings ever built and it was built in less than two years. Is, mm-hmm. is that is it possible without the with surrounding infrastructure like apartments and hotels and restaurants and bars that if the focus becomes the arena, 
that there could be something quicker than a three-year timeline. That's an important distinction there because I think people look at the, the grand plan here and, and, you know, 100 acres is bigger than the Tempe site. And I've been told that the, the plan is, in fact, grander here. We'll see if that materializes. You know, the, the plan was grand in Westgate and it didn't materialize. Um, it was a smaller scale development. I expect no matter what happens on this development that the arena will be the first structure that goes up. That's the plan. That was the plan before. The arena will go up first. But what I can't predict, Petey, is what sort of other, again, zoning, entitlements, soil samples. Um, hey, roads, infrastructures, like Scottsdale Road and, and, there, right? and Pinnacle Peak can't handle it right now. They couldn't. Right. There's no way Pinnacle Peak from the north of that land and Scottsdale Road to the east of that land can handle any kind of traffic increases right now. They just can't. Like they're they're going to have to come up with that 64th Street, which would be the west exit to that land, doesn't exist. There's yeah. an there's an exit to nowhere, and you've been up there, you've driven it. There's a bridge that literally it's a bridge to nowhere, and it stops. So there's going to have to be a lot of infrastructure um, to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and again, this is this is at Scottsdale Road in the 101. It's at that corner. So that's that's where the, the plot of land is that are settled on. I want to answer a question here from R. Nunez. Can anyone explain why the team did not have a real plan B in place last year at the time of the referendum? If they had started the state trust land process, then they could have started construction. It's actually incorrect. Um, they did start the process. In fact, if you look back at that AZ Central story, it reported that they started the process in June, one month after the Tempe vote yeah. failed. There's just... That, that's government processes, right? That That's an example of it right there. You can see how slowly it moves. So they did have a plan B in place quickly. It's just you, you can't predict uh, the, the pace of, of all these processes. There's there's a lot of variables, a lot of potential la delays built in, and we haven't even talked about all of them. Do you think that's part of the reason? And we talked to Javier Gutierrez last fall, and he said expect something soon. And then as that drag, dragged on, he said, well, by, by Christmas time and then by the first of the year, do you think that had to do with some of the expectations that some of this, the issues with the state and the government would have been cleared up sooner because they did get some of this paperwork in early enough last, you know, in June, July? Oh, uh, a phrase that he kept repeating to me, factors beyond our control. Yeah, that's that's exactly what this is. Yeah, they, they tried. They did everything that they could. But again, all these different variables that they can't control. What are you going to do? So when, when Gary Bettman. Go ahead, Petey. I'm sorry. No, when Gary Bettman sat at the All-Star Game and he said, Mr. Morello says he has a plan and things are moving forward. And I have to believe him at this point and take his word. And that's what Gary Bettman said at, at the All-Star Game. Do you really... And I, and I don't know how we do, we report this because you, you haven't talked to Morello or Javier in quite some time, but, but you have to believe that based on Gary Bettman's comments that there is a belief from the Morello group that this is still moving forward. Here's what I would say to that, and I, that may be the case. I don't want to read into Gary Bettman's statements too much, but he, he is very careful with his words. Yeah. He is an attorney. Bill Daly is an attorney. They are very careful with everything that they say. They don't want to create an uh, any sort of acrimony with, with Alex Morello. They, if, if it comes time where they need to force a sale, where they, they want to take this team from the Morello group, they don't want to create any ammunition in, in, in a potential legal battle. They'd love this to be as amicable amicable as possible. So right now he's going to stand by him again. I wonder what he's going to say after the Super Bowl, if he's, they're going to give him more leash or not. But I think they're being very careful with all of their words that they choose right now. You just don't want to create any sort of tough situation if you're trying to force a sale. Um, I know you got to get to a uh, an ad read uh -huh. here, but like when we're talking about the difficulty of forcing a sale, I think Richard Brodier's tweets yesterday really shed some light on this. And I'm not saying that's definitive. I don't think Richard would say that either because he's not privy to everything. Go ahead. Before before you continue, because I think that's an important point, tell Richard's connection and who he is. And for those that don't know who this person is, it's just some random person on Twitter. That's not the case. No, with the PA, he's an attorney. He is, he's got a lot of sources around this league. When Richard Rodier tweets something, you should pay attention to it because he has very good information and he has a very good understanding of the CBA and these agreements. So that's an important perspective. He tweeted yesterday and, you know, or, or was it two days ago? I can't even remember anymore, Petey. No, it was at the morning skate, right? Yep. Um, that he thinks Morello holds all the cards here. 
it would be very difficult for the NHL to force a sale because what would be the grounds? There, there's this. You want to talk about bad assumptions, and, and I'm glad he pointed this out to a lot of people. There's this assumption that because they play at Mullet Arena, well, they're playing in a, a an arena that's not up to NHL standards, so the, the the league could do it on those grounds alone. As Richard pointed out, there is nowhere in the CBA where it says you have to have a certain amount of seats or a certain size arena. And when you're talking about a, an arena up to NHL standards, well. They came in last year. The NHL was very present in the process of getting Mullet Arena up to NHL standards. They had to build an annex. They had to do other things internally. They got it up to the NHL standards, and the league signed off on it saying, yes, this is up to league standards. So how do you then turn around and say, yeah, you, we're going to take it from you because you're not playing in an NHL standard arena? You can't do that. That's, I, I understand what he's saying there. I, again, Richard, I, I encourage you guys to go read his Twitter timeline. He's saying that he can't find any grounds, but he's not saying that there aren't any grounds. Like, we don't know if there's like a proxy agreement between these sides. We don't know what Alex Morello signed when he bought this team. If something like that exists, yeah, maybe the league can do it. And it's also important to remember that Gary Bettman's been around the block one or two times. I've talked to so many people, whether they like Gary or not, who will pause and say, in spite of that, Gary Bettman is always the smartest person in the room. I can't believe how many people have said that to me in the last two weeks. So I'm sure the league has some plan, some contingency plan. I'm just not privy to it. And I don't know the strength of their case. Should we get there? And again, I keep emphasizing, I don't know if we're going to get there because we just talked about all the things that the Morello group is doing right now. And one thing I want to, before we move on, I just want to see Roaring Fork's comment here. People th thinking, and I, I hope you didn't think my comments where I said that they need to work on infrastructure. He said, people thinking that there is a lack of infrastructure on the Phoenix-Scottsdale border, um, they're mistaken. No, I don't mean the infrastructure. Like this, there's shopping malls there, the Mayo Clinic's two blocks away. Like this is a very, very, you know, congested, busy area of town. I'm just talking about the roads that would need to be completed to help the egress and, and ingress to that building. Building. That's all. Like the infrastructure, buddy, it's there. Like I'm not worried about that. Um, I just wanted to make that clear. And and now, it's time to move on. One, one second. Oh, one second. I want to point out George Fowler's what did comments. George as well. say Mr. Rodier was Jim Balsilli's guy too. He is intimately familiar yeah. with this whole situation. He was around yes. for the Moyes thing. So, yeah, Richard Rodier has been around the block as well. Go if ahead. If you got him, take him. It's OG's Brands. OG's has launched two new products made with live rosin and RSO, Rick Simpson Oil. The OG's Naturals and the Big OG's. OG's Naturals are vegan gummies available in a sweet clementine flavor. Meanwhile, the Big OG's gummy is a mega version of Peg's Raspberry Orange. It's perforated into 10 slices, each with 10 milligrams of THC for a total of 100 milligrams. The weekend is officially here. Check out OG's Brands for all of your THC gummy needs. They have the right product. For you to learn more about OG's gummies and where you can find them, head over to ogsbrands.com. And don't forget, Circle K, it's not just America's third stop. It's also America's don't run out of gas stop. And that goes to my good friends, Leah and Danielle. It's a perfect time to set up for the new free membership program, The Inner Circle. Save 25 cents per gallon on your first five Phillips so you never run out. And then you save three cents per gallon every day after that. Get every sixth item free on all kinds of Circle K products like pizza, coffee, and their ice cold fountain drinks in their Polar Pops. Join The Inner Circle for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations visit circlek.com for details and now let's talk about an, another area craig that we haven't addressed yet so we've heard a lot of rumors and let's yeah. see what we can do to clear some of these up we've talked about we've talked about the ability for this morello group to get this deal done in the and the league and gary batman saying that he for now takes this owner at his word that he can get this deal done in a time frame that the league finds acceptable that's what he said so far if they can't Let's talk about option C, D, E, or F, <laughs> other potential buyers to keep the team here in Arizona. Are there local buyers? What are you hearing on the local buyer front to keep this team in Arizona? I do think there are. Now, it's difficult to gauge the seriousness of those groups. You won't know until you know the, they get to the table. Um, but I, I do know that there, there are at least three groups that are interested in purchasing this team should it come up for sale. And I know, li listen, everybody's talking about Matt Ishby. I, I, I want to reiterate this. We, we got a comment from 
the Ishbia group way back when saying, if the, the team ever goes up for sale, we would certainly entertain a conversation. That hasn't changed, okay? So to say that they're not pursuing the team now, yeah, because it's not for sale. That, that's semantics. That's what that is. If, if the Coyotes go up for sale, I fully expect there to at least be a conversation with Matt and Justin Ishbia about purchasing this team. They're not alone, though. I know there's a, another group. I, I, don't have, I don't have full details on this other group. And I also think that, that the Salt River Pima Maricopa tribe could get back involved. I think that's at least a possibility. I think some, some of the situation on the ground there has changed, and they might have an interested buyer that could be the majority owner as well there. So we'll see how, how all of that plays out. And I want to I stress again, you don't know how serious any of these potential buyers are until you actually get to the table. What's the price? What's, what's the situation? What's the arena situation? We, we know that there's a plot of land on the res right now that you could put shovels in the ground tomorrow. It's zoned. It's ready to go. If Matt Ishbia wanted to buy the team, he'd have to do some work downtown to get Footprint Center ready to host a hockey team. You know, people are like, there are portable ice plants. And that's true. That could be a solution. But they made further incursions into that lower bowl when they renovated it. There's no locker rooms. There's more work to be done there. Uh, and, you know, I heard a, a conservative, I, I, I shouldn't say conservative. One estimate I heard was $200 million to get that uh, ready for NHL hockey. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I was told that by a couple sources. There's plenty of work that he would need to do, so I'd wonder about how that how that would all play out. Could you, in fact, even get that done in one summer, or would the Coyotes stay at Mullet for another season? I don't know how any of that works. Craig, a few yeah. questions. Yeah, go ahead. With all of this. Let's start with Ishbia. And I know, again, I'm going to reference national media and what was said out there that that he is not actively pursuing. Now, the word pursued to me was really a key word in the phrase pursuing. First of all, I, I don't think politically in, in the sports arenas in, in the city of Phoenix metro area, I don't know if you'd want to throw your hat into a ring that isn't even open yet. I, I don't know if that'd be wise for Matt Ishbia to go yell by the team when it's already owned. I, I don't politically and locally... I just think that's a can of worms. So do you think the word pursue is fair enough that he's not actively pursuing it? I'm sorry. I don't understand your question. Well, like Matt Ishbia is not going to go out there publicly and go, yes. yeah, I want to buy the team. Like that's he's not going to go out there and right say there. those things right now. Like yeah, politically, he optics, can't. Right? It's bad optics. Yeah. It's bad ethics in business to say, yeah, I want, want this team that isn't available. That right. isn't for sale. That's that you don't operate that way. That's, that's, that's going to create bad blood in, in, in the business world. So they're Absolutely. not going to do that. No group is going to do that right now. But do I think that there, there could be things happening behind the scenes? I'd be, I'd be naive to think there aren't things happening behind the scenes. You have to have contingency plans. Yeah, and one other thing, too, is we've talked about the Salt River Indian community. I want to say this, that, that this has been talked about for a very long time. That, that, that land in that area by the Salt River Fields uh, has been talked about. What are some of the limitations for an owner to partner with the, the Indian community to put a team on that land? Why would somebody not go, okay, yeah, we can build a rink right away. We can have all these positive things. What would be some of the drawbacks for somebody wanting to get involved on that land? Yeah, well, with Alex Morello in particular, you can't build a sports book there, first of all, unless you want to share revenue and come to an agreement with the tribe because we know about the, the gaming compact and the, the tribe, the tribes in Arizona, are obviously the first ones that had those rights, um, and they they still have them. You'd have to reach some sort of agreement to build it. You can't build residences, so you have to find another way to generate income. Residences were a big part of Alex Morello's development in Tempe. There may be other ways that are on the table now. In fact, I, I think there are some other possibilities now with the tribe for making up that revenue. But those are some of the restrictions, right? And then you then you talk about like. How does the ownership structure work? Uh, my understanding is if the tribe were ever to get involved, they would at least want some say, right? You're going to be a, a minority owner with some sort of power because it's ultimately it's your land. So I, I don't know how all of that works, but those are some of the things to at least think about. Oh, I'm sorry. I had to mute it. Okay. So now we're just going to recap because this is people have been get, getting tired and they took OGs oh, 48 minutes ago. So it's about kicking right now. So people are a little fuzzy. So let's, let's bring this in right now. So we've talked about what's happened in the past and the, how the many mistakes have been made over real estate to get this hockey team to where they are today and the mess that they're in right now. We've talked about the Morellos actively pursuing a hundred acres at this, the corner of North 
west corner of Scottsdale and the 101, a 100-acre plat that right now they say they're going to be able to get completed potentially in the next three months. And the league right now is saying, okay, we'll tell you more in the next few days at the Super Bowl what we think about that. So let's wrap that up. If that doesn't work, there are potentially several and up to three, maybe more. It would come out of the word work if this actually came up to where the team wants to be up for sale. These are the only ones we've heard rumored about now. There right. may be more. So that's that. So there are several options to keep this team in the state of Arizona. Now let's move on to the nuclear option. Yeah. Let's reference the the Smith report coming out of Salt Lake City. And what does that mean? Explain it. And what does it mean? And what does it mean not just for this team, but for uh, expansion as a whole in the NHL? Yeah, listen, I, I, every, I think everybody by now is familiar with the release from the, the, the Smith ownership group up in Salt Lake City. They own the Jazz. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, what might have motivated the timing of that. Some people had the, you know, the conspiracy theory that it was dropped the same day as the, the sexual assault news broke. Um, I'm not sure that was the case. I don't I don't want to go down that road myself. There are other people who think, well, he's trying to get it out there because there's a competition for public dollars. The Millers are trying to bring baseball to Salt Lake as well. And there's a limited pot. All, all of that, I guess, requires further reporting, I guess, before before you can decide what's what's motiv motivating this. But the, the overriding thing is Brian Smith wants a hockey team in Salt Lake City is very much on board. The NHL likes this ownership group. They really like this ownership group. They've done, done good things there um, with the Jazz in particular. They've, they've, they've done an about face with that franchise. Um, they've got an arena right now. They hope to build a new arena in conjunction with the Olympics, which would come in 2030 or more likely 2034 if they win the bid. There's a lot of talk that they probably will win the bid in 2034. We'll see about that all. That's still it's still conjecture, right? Um but if it comes to that point, then you wonder what the process looks like. Can you, again, going back, can you force the sale? Alex Morello, how do you do that? Okay, then what sort of money do you have to get Alex Morello to satisfy him where you can make this move? And then what is the sale price? Is it, how, how high does it rise? I don't know. I, this, this is a lot of this is just speculation, PD. So I'm almost uncomfortable talking numbers, but I wonder like, when you look at that, how badly that group wants a hockey team, I guess the question for me is if you have to pay X amount to Alex Morello to satisfy him to, to, to move on from Alex Morello, does that price rise too high for anybody, but the Salt Lake city ownership group does, does Matt Ishbia want this at a high price? Elliot Freeman touched on this in his 32 thoughts, the lead to his column recently, Matt Ishbia wants it on his terms. I believe that. What are his terms? What's the price at which Matt Ishbia will say, you know what? I don't need you that badly. I own the Suns. We're in good shape. This was intriguing to me up to this price, but I'm not willing to go beyond that. I don't know what that threshold is. I don't even know if if there is a threshold or if Matt Ishbia really wants this team, should it become available. But that's something to think about as well. Is, is Smith willing to pay a higher price to get NHL hockey to Salt Lake City? Yeah, so to, to sum all that up, there are, and I just, I'm trying to be clear because I, I think there's so many, so many misinterpreted comments that are happening out there in the Twitter verse and online to be clear, you PHNX, no one is saying that this team is absolutely 100% not moving to Salt Lake city and not happening. What, 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 what is being said is there are several steps several steps, including Morello, including alternate buyers here in the state of Arizona that have to come before such a drastic option like that were to occur. Yeah. And I, I, I want to, I guess what I would say more than anything, Jeff Merrick asked me this today, like if, if, if people asked you, what do you think is going to happen? What would, what would be your answer? My honest answer is I don't know. And if anybody is out there hollering that this is happening or that's happening, Honestly, like you're a liar. You're a liar. You don't know. There are way too many variables involved here for anybody to predict what's going to happen. Harry Bettman doesn't know what's going to happen with this situation. Yeah. Some troll on Twitter certainly doesn't know. And I don't think any of us who are being honest as reporters can say definitively either. I just don't know how it's going to play out. There are way too many variables. So unfortunately, as always, 
we just have to wait and see. And I, again, I, I hate to keep hammering these things home, but because apparently people don't listen, because I know you're, you've reported this stuff at nauseum over the last several years, to be honest. So I want to be clear at this point on February 9th at three o'clock Arizona time, Gary Bettman doesn't know if this team is leaving. Alex Morello Sr. does not know if this team is leaving. Katie Hobbs, the governor of Arizona, does not know if this team is leaving. Ryan Smith of the Smith Group in Salt Lake City does not know if this team is leaving. And clearly, no reporter in North America knows that this team is leaving. Is that a factual and fair statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. And can I make an apology to those in in the chat who are involved in Arizona state politics? I don't mean to cast aspersions on an entire group. I don't like generalizations. I don't like throwing blankets. I've seen some things. My wife worked for state government. She still works with state government. I've seen some things, some things that I don't like, but there's a lot of good people in state government. I, I have friends in state government. I know people in state government. So apologies if I offended the entire group. Did you offend people, Craig? That's not like yeah, you. I, I have a tendency to do that, I think. Okay, well, well now we, we're not going to go down this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears a little bit, and I know there's a list of recapping all the rumored sites. We've done that before. We've talked about all the teams. We even touched on a little bit earlier in the show. There are so many. If you want to do it in a sentence, Craig, you may do that now. All the cities? Oof. Can you do it? Uh, okay. Portland. Hamilton. Quebec. Winnipeg, and I don't know the order of these necessarily, so I'm just going to throw out the other cities that I've heard. Kansas City, Atlanta, Houston, Vegas, Seattle, Salt Lake City, and I am forgetting one because I know there's 10. I know there's 10. I forgot. That's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. And and, and I'll tell you this from someone, and this is the other part that I I just put my little soapbox for just a few seconds from people that that are reporting this, or you see people on Twitter that move this poverty franchise already, and they literally have no skin in this game whatsoever. Like I I, I truly don't understand what know. a what a hockey fan and moose jaw gives a shit if there's a hockey team in Arizona. I just don't understand the hate. I don't get it. I I, I really I, if if the players want to complain, they don't want to play in mullet and i don't mean these players i mean league fine if the pa wants to come play fine they, they, if fans want to say gosh i wish it was a bigger app fine but if you're just a hockey fan that doesn't even watch this team on tv could care less about theirs oh, what does it matter I, I i don't check the attendance numbers in ottawa and florida and carolina every morning i don't i don't care you turn on the tv and you can't tell me watching a game in mullet arena on tv is any different than watching a game in toronto on tv they're on tv so i just i don't understand the hate like i i I just if you have skin in the game and you're involved here uh, boots on the ground in arizona fine then then have a comment everybody else just relax there's people's livelihoods that are at stake here there's families there's kids that are going to school every day there's players and their families there are so many people involved in this that just why do you have to hate on them I, i i please stop it there's just no point. Let the process play out the way it is supposed to play out and then hang in and root for a team. And if you don't want to root for the team and you want to root against them, root against them. All good. This is sports. That's what you're supposed to do. But stop hating on the organization. I wonder, Petey, I had this conversation with three people at the arena last night, three separate people. I wonder, especially in in social media, right? I I don't think these same conversations occur if I'm looking you in the face. I don't think people behave the same way if they have to look someone in the face. They have to have better manners at that point. But I wonder why on social media, people's default setting is that hate instead of Geez, I really feel sorry for these people. This this sure. sucks. This is a tough situation. Yep. Why why is hate the default setting instead of empathy? I don't get that. That's a, I don't that's a disturbing reality. So bad for the fan base. Can you believe what those players have gone through over the last twenty yeah. years? How terrible! If that's the team you root for, that stinks. That okay? Okay, yeah. yay! I, I just please stop. It, it, I, I don't understand. I honestly don't understand where that comes from. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we, I want to touch on, Craig, before we move on, is we've talked about people that like it here, don't like it here, who it affects. It absolutely affects the players because yeah. the players have to play in that arena. The players have to be a part of this community. The players have to be part of this wonderful state of Arizona. What are you hearing from the players? Well, here's a, like I, I had a story and I had a quote from Alex Kerfoot about, you know, how they just have to push that to side. And honestly, every every season is year to year when you're in this league. And it's true. I, like I when I when I started talking about this, 
the players who are on expiring contracts or moving on in their careers, there, there's some people where you, you get it. Okay, it's not as big a deal to them. But when we're talking about the core of this team, I can tell you to a man, they want to stay in Arizona. They don't want to go to Salt Lake City. They don't want to relocate. I know because I've asked them. And in fact, I you know one of one of these quotes. I I, I know Danielle has a little clip ready to run, but I know that the entire core feels that way. But they just want an arena. They want a solution. They're tired of this. And you can say, well, you got to block it out. You're a professional athlete. It's it's a lot easier said than done. This impacts their lives. And honestly, it's tough being. Is sort of the mockery of the league for this long. It's it's not a comfortable feeling to have to deal with that on a daily basis. Danielle, can we can we run the quote from Sean Dersey right now that I called? Obviously, everybody in here is kind of you know anxious to find out what's going to happen and things like that. So, uh, you know, we just we just want to find a rank and, and play in, in in a rank, and you know, we we all love Arizona here. Yeah, that that's it in a nutshell. They love playing here. They love living here. They do yeah. love. A lot of players love Arizona. They want to be here. They just want a reasonable solution. So, and again, going back to what you said about staff and families, this affects people's lives. So maybe take that into account again, maybe try and change that default setting in your head from hating and mocking to empathy. Maybe we'd all just get along a little better if we have that default setting instead. And the last thing before we move on, Greg, is is I lived in Minneapolis um, when Norm Green moved the team from the Minneapolis area down to Dallas. And that wasn't didn't have all of the drama and lead up. It did at the time. I mean, right when he moved it, it did, but it didn't have 20 years of what the hell's going on in Minnesota. It was just abruptly and it was gone from one of the largest hockey markets in, in North America. It was gone. And it was just you didn't hear the hate of people all oh, Minnesota. Minneapolis stinks. They're a terrible hockey market. Nobody said that. They, they were. They. They. I think you did see the empathy when it came to men. Oh, it's too bad they lost their team. It's too bad they lost their team in Minnesota. I don't know what the differences are here in Arizona for that. I, I just don't understand where the vitriol comes in for a team that really it should be of no consequence to anybody else but us. Mm. Yeah, enough said. And while we're at it, it is Friday. It's time to eat. I don't feel like cooking because now I'm grumpy and the show's gone way longer than a normal show. So I don't have time. So you know what you can do? You can put the fun in your meal fiestas with some burros. Some burros family owned and operated and was voted America's most loved Mexican restaurant. Try their mouthwatering red and green chili, beef mini chimneys, homemade taquitos, chips, fresh guac, and their famous hot sauce. With locations throughout the Valley and Flagstaff, you'll never be far from delicious, time-tested, Sonoran-style recipes lovingly prepared since 1986. And they are our favorite of our producer, Danielle, who, by the way, if she stops going to some burros, they may go bankrupt. So make sure you come check out their newest locations at Goodyear, Peoria, and I-17 and Joe Max, or visit someburros.com to find one near you. And don't forget, the big game is almost here. Let Burros cater your next meal, big or small. Order online to find one near you by visiting someburros.com. And here's one I'm really excited about is the Arizona Lottery. The lottery is introducing a new unique ticket promotion called Arizona Adventures. There are three ways to win, and I saw the commercials today, and it's a fun commercial, so check it out. Three ways to win. One, buy the lottery tickets featuring iconic landscapes of Arizona, Picachu Peak, Monument Valley, and Camelback Mountain. Prizes up to 50 grand. Then, you can also actually go and become part of the adventure in Arizona, and you can go to geolocated spots in 10 destinations across the state of Arizona, from Flagstaff to Yuma, from Sedona to Prescott, and everywhere in between, like Jim Thompson Trailhead in Sedona, the Lost Dog Watch at McDowell Sonoran Conservancy in Scottsdale, or the East Wetlands interpretive trail in yuma arizona and there are others visit www.azadventure.com for details and directions check in at those destination coordinates on the website and the third way to win enter your tickets online for a chance to win one million dollars in cash and arizona travel prizes the arizona lottery is not just about playing games and winning prizes it is also about giving back to the state and its communities take an adventure with the arizona lottery visit azadventure.com for more information on how you can take an adventure with the arizona lottery and for a chance to win one million dollars in cash and arizona travel prizes craig what do we expect next with the arena drama well, uh, as I mentioned, we're going to get some statement from the league. We'll, we'll find out the tenor of that. And then we just wait for this process to play out now with the Arizona State Land Department. We'll see if, in fact, it is going to be within that time frame or if there are more delays. We'll see how patient the league is. As always, stay tuned to PHNX Sports, where we will cover it as best we can. I want to say this as a reporter. 
I'm working hard. I'm trying to talk to as many sources as possible. I'm trying to get accurate information. Sometimes I may not. I, sometimes somebody may mislead me or have a bad piece of information. I'll try to vet every piece of information I ever get, but I'm not going to say I'm going to be perfect either. I would, I would ask, you know, I understand that we're frustrated sometimes with national reports. Those guys bust their ass as well. They do. They bust their asses as well to try and get accurate information. So again, come at this with a, I guess, try and come at this with an approach of respect. Uh, if, if we make a mistake, I'm, I'm going to admit it. I'm, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to correct it. Hopefully everybody else will do the same, but we're, we're trying to give you as much information as we can. And I'm going to continue to real, really work hard at this story to provide updates and give you a sense of what's happening behind the scenes. And that's a really good statement. Follow PHNX, follow Craig S. Morgan. If you want to know what's happening with this arena situation, this is the closest reporter to boots on the ground of this situation in entirety of North America. So if you want to know what's happening here in Arizona with their politics, politics with their ownership what's going on here the best place to get it from is craig morgan i want to make one statement before we wrap up we've talked a lot about owners and i want to make this statement just about owners in general unfortunately there have been so many ownership groups that have come through this arizona coyotes franchise with one intention and that is to build a real estate empire and to to build ancillary products and not as concerned about sports the ones that are concerned about sports and the true interest of winning are owners like bill foley that that put up not only is is say that you want to win you put your money where your mouth is and you create a product that wins and and that's the ownership that you want to see happen here and let's hope alex morello can be that owner and jerry maybe Clangio, once, right? yep jerry Clangio. When, when you when you put your money where your mouth is in the the attempt to win and i understand the revenue streams have not been here for for alex morello to to take that approach yet and if the new arena comes to fruition then maybe maybe we can see that plan finally take hold here in arizona where he truly wants to put a winner on the ice so let's stay tuned to this make sure you stay tuned to phnx scoop <laughs> i see i'm gonna make it through this we're, we're over an hour my mouth is only an hour and the ogs is definitely kicking in make sure you subscribe to the phnx coyotes podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review then subscribe to the phnx youtube channel so you don't miss any of the hockey content from phnx then follow the show on twitter at phnx underscore coyotes follow craig morgan at craig s Morgan, you can follow me at S. Peters Hockey. Follow Leah Merrill, who is still under the weather, at Leah Merrill and the, the magic behind the Mac. Follow Abraka Danielle. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow on the PHNX Coyotes postgame show on YouTube after the Nashville game. Until then, have a great Friday, and we'll see you at the rink.